Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Jamie Walker from Northeastern REMC. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How about you? I am great. And you work for a business that has a very soft spot in my heart because it was the first job that I had in Indiana way back in 1994 is when I started there. And Sounds I'm, like a good year. It was a good year. And there's actually, I think, at least one or two people who are still there who were there when I was employed at Northeastern RMC. Jim Eitzert, mm-hmm. Steve Weber, maybe? Yep. Okay, well, tell them I said hello. They're both holding down the fort. That's the beauty of co-ops is you get the long-term employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, you're the small exception. I'm the, I'm the small <laughs> exception. Yeah, I remember when I worked there, there were people who had been there for like 35, 40 years. Yep. And that's an admirable thing. And you yourself are a little bit of a tribute to that. We'll get into that yep. because you've worked for two different RMCs, mm-hmm. but you're doing the co-op, co-op thing and you've been doing it for about 10 years. Yep, I'm in the family, so. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got where you are. One of the things we do on this podcast, as you know, is we talk about career path. Mm-hmm. And let's start at the beginning, whatever that means to you. What I always say is think about when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your life. Where were you headed? Did you stay on that path? Did you take a detour? And what did all that look like for you? I mean, honestly, my first job that I told everyone I wanted to do, I wanted to be a mermaid. I didn't know you couldn't teach yourself to breathe underwater. Okay. So, All right. you know, that was out. Okay. Um, then I wanted to sing on Broadway. Okay. And then I realized that's really hard to make it in. Yeah, so sure. So that didn't work out either. Okay. Um, but when I was looking at my career path and what I wanted to do after high school, I was trying to figure out what I was good at, what I enjoyed doing. Um, and, you know, the only natural thing for me was talking. <laughs> My CEO right before I came said, well, you're really good at it. So, you know, I had to kind of continue that path. And if only my teachers could see me now, the thing I got in trouble for all the time. Yeah, yeah, you and I have that in common too. (laughs) So you decide it's going to be something communication-related. Correct, yep. And you enroll at IU, is that correct? I actually started at Central Michigan University. The goal was to go to Michigan State. Okay. Found out you can't get in-state tuition, and that's Mm. really expensive. So ended up coming back to Indiana. Okay. Um, You know, I tried to be that unique individual. My whole family went to IU, and I said, I'm not going to be one of those. Yeah. I ended up being one of those. Ended so. up being one of those. All right. <laughs> so you do a bachelor's degree at, at IU, is that correct. correct? Yep. And then where do you go from there? So after I graduated, um, my degree was in communication and culture and then journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up working at the World War II Museum in Auburn. Yep. Um, I was doing event coordination, um, event planning, things like that okay. for the museum. And I loved, loved that job. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, my... My path wasn't to stay there. Sure, um, sure. But I ended up getting the job at the REMC after that. Yep. Okay. So, so that was in Steuben County. Correct. Okay. Yep. So you're there for, if I remember correctly, about eight years. Is that yep. correct? Uh, closer to nine, but yeah. Closer to nine. Okay. Yep. And you've been at Northeastern for? Just over two now. Just over two. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, most of the people who listen to this, at least I presume, are going to know a little bit about what an REMC is. And having worked there, I know a little bit about what an REMC right. is. But tell us from your perspective, number one, what is an REMC? What is a co-op? What makes it different? And what has compelled you to stay in that world for the last decade plus? Sure. So um, obviously when I started with the co-op, you know, most people don't take a job because you're really passionate about electricity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never thought I would. Yeah. Um, I never thought I would end up in this industry. Yeah. But what I was passionate about was finding a purpose and finding something that I could, 
you know, contribute to mm-hmm. and make a difference with. And that's a big part of what the co-ops are. Mm-hmm. It is a not-for-profit, member-owned organization. Mm-hmm. Spend a lot of time giving back to the community, be involved in different organizations. They have roundup programs that give back grant dollars, things like that. Yeah. So um, it is essentially a power company. Yep. Um, and we have about 30,000 members in several different counties around Allen and Whitley primarily, um, parts of Kosciuszko, Huntington, things like that. Okay. And if I remember correctly— and save me from myself if I'm wrong on this because I may be. It was a product of the Roosevelt administration and the electrification of rural America. The Rural Electrification Act. Yes, yep. yes. As part thank of the you. New Deal. Thank you. You so. said that much more, <laughs> much better than I did. Okay. So um, there were parts of the country that did not have electricity running to their homes. Absolutely. Uh, now that's obviously much less common, but the right. RMCs kind of made it possible and yeah. still are primarily in rural areas, although your service area is not entirely rural, correct? Right. It's it's a strange thing. You know, when I worked at my um, previous organization, it was very much rural. Mm-hmm. It was in the rural outskirts yeah. of the county. Um, obviously, Allen County, you know, back in the 30s didn't look like it does now. Yeah. Um, we service a lot of what's west of I-69, and that used to be farm ground. Yep. You know, the landscape looked, looked much different back then. Yeah. Um, and back in the 30s, the farmers had a really tough way of life, and mm-hmm. they couldn't get power run to their house. It cost them roughly a year's wages yeah. just to get power run to their house, not to mention what they were paying for the electricity in itself. So, sure, sure. So that's how, you know— the co-ops got started. It was all the all the farmers banding together, and they said, we'll build it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So your role in member services, mm-hmm. and I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I okay. don't really mean this, but some <laughs> might say, well, you know, it's a monopoly. It's an electric utility. How much customer service can there be? Right. Feel free. This is your soapbox to refute oh, that love belief. It. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're not wrong, right? We are a legal monopoly. Yeah. Um, but what we strive to provide is a customer experience that if and or when someday in the future, you know, the state is um, deregulated, mm-hmm. that you would choose us. Yeah. We want that to be member-focused. Everything that we do is driven by a need to serve the members mm-hmm. in a way that benefits them. Yeah. You know, some people would argue, well, you disconnected me. You don't care about me. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately— Bills still have yeah, to be paid. Sure, and, and not, profit, not for profit doesn't mean that you exactly. don't need dollars to survive. Yeah. Exactly, but you know you have to recognize that what one member doesn't pay, the rest of the membership would be picking sure. up. So sure. you know there are unfortunate things like that that have to happen. But everything we do is to ensure that that customer, that member owner, has the best experience with us that they can. Sure. So. You know, many people, when they think of, quote-unquote, customer service in the utility world, Mm -hmm. they think of the people who call when the bill is too high, the people who call when the lights go out. And that's part of it, of Mm -hmm. course, is responding to what is, you know, a a real need people have, and they only kind of appreciate it when it's not there. Right. Um, What what else does your job entail, though? You know, there's programs that the REMC puts on. There's there's programs in terms of energy-saving programs. Mm -hmm. There's events for members. So talk a little bit about some of those things that might be unexpected that you and your team work on? Yeah, so um, one of the things that um, I mentioned earlier was Operation Roundup, you know, where we give back grant dollars to philanthropic organizations throughout the community. We have an opt-in program where we encourage our members to participate in that. We round up your dollar or your bill to the next highest dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, roughly $6 a year that you would donate. But that really adds up, you know, when when we're talking about, you know, 30,000 members participating. If we could get everyone to participate in that, we would love it. Um, 
we have our annual meeting, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is a, an event that we did. Obviously, COVID has sure. significantly changed yeah. the landscape of that. Yeah. We yeah. did things called power hours where we would have energy-saving events and talk okay. about different programs for your home. We have um, energy-saving rebates that we offer. Um, you know, we do hot water hot, hot water heater rebates now. Yeah. Um, you know, just all anything that we can do to provide a better experience for our members. We do surge protectors for your home mm-hmm. to prevent you from, you know, lightning strikes and things like that. So the annual meeting, I remember when I was there, it was a big deal. There would mm-hmm. be national music acts that would come. Right. Has COVID completely changed that where it's not coming back or are you going back to a live event and hope to pick up where you left off? So we hope to go back to live events in a different way. So we're yeah. we're trying to um, keep the annual meeting as a focus on the business portion of yep. what we're trying to accomplish. Sure. You know, Obviously, it's required by the bylaws, but we, mm-hmm. we want to be transparent. We want the members to understand what's going on. Are we doing our, our fiscal duty? Are yep. we making sure that we're looking at things, you know, um, scrutinizing them and making the best decisions on behalf of the membership. That's what the annual meeting is for. But we also want to have really great customer service experiences um, where they can come out and interact with one another. We can talk to them about how to make their experience better and programs that might benefit them and things like that. So if and or when we get back to having live <laughs> yeah. events, you know, we're we're hoping to do several different customer events throughout the service territory. Sure. So you've got a pretty big job. There's a lot of different responsibilities that fall under your area of responsibility. But my guess is you don't do it alone. So talk a little Certainly bit about not. the team that you work with and how everyone works together to make all those good things happen. Yeah. So, you know, I it's funny coming from an organization of 25 to we have, I think, around 80 or more mm-hmm. um, employees now. They always talk about us being small. And to me, I'm like, oh, we're, we're, we're so big. You know, we have so many employees <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but we are. We're small but mighty. We do a lot with very little, you yeah. know, and we we all have to work together because if you don't have that necessary teamwork, then it's never going to you know, you're never going to accomplish what you're setting out to do. Um, we have very lofty goals. Mm-hmm. Our organizational aspects and, you know, prospects of what we're trying to accomplish are huge. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I have a team of member service reps um, and several other positions underneath me that, you know, everyone has many hats that they have to wear. Yeah. I work very closely with our marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have to rely on our feedback. We have to rely on their expertise to get things accomplished and to get the word out about what we're trying to do. Yeah, it's one of the things I, I genuinely enjoyed about working in that environment is if if you were competent in the area where you had responsibility, you could have the opportunity to do some different things. I mentioned oh, to you before we hit record, the first website I ever worked on yep. <laughs> was back in, I think it was 1997. And it was Mike DeFru, who you worked with for a short time and who was a longtime uh, employee at Northeastern RMC. Yep. He said, all right, let's give it a shot. And right. I learned quite a bit. Learned some of the things that, you know, I probably shouldn't do with websites and learned some things <laughs> that I should do. The good news it was it was a different world back then and right. not a lot of people were paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> or not a lot of people caught it yet. Yeah, that's right. What I love about the co-ops, though, is that we have the opportunity because, you know, like I said, we're small but mighty. You can do so much within the organization. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think it's stagnant or, you know, old school or, you know, we, we're very slow to adopt to change or adapt to change yeah. and adopt new technologies and things like that. Here at Northeastern, we're we're just not that way. We yeah. fundamentally think differently. And, you know, my boss has said many times to me, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. for sure. Well, and one of the things we talked about, too, prior to hitting record was how how good of a job the business does at retaining employees. Why do you think that is? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of astounded that there's people who are still there – um, who were there when I was there, um, and, and it's not an anomaly. I thought right. of two immediately, but I think I can think of a couple others who mm-hmm. are still there. So why do you think that is? Why do you think you do such a good job of retaining people? So co-ops are traditionally fiercely committed to treating their employees well. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to find the best talent that we have and grow them, mm-hmm. you know, I know several people within our organization who have had multiple hats and multiple titles within the organization um, because they're not there just for a job. Mm -hmm. They're there for a calling, a career, um, you know, and if you're not finding what you need in your current position, maybe we find something else for you to do, you know. I am really committed to looking at my employees and what are your talents what do you enjoy doing and seeing if we can fit that into what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so maybe your job title says one thing, but you might have varying responsibilities throughout the year. Sure. So I sure. think co-ops have done a really good job at that. Sure. And and while, you know, there's there's some friendly competition among the co-ops, there's also, and I might be dating myself here, but I think there's some collaboration. Oh, there's more collaboration than anything. Yeah. yeah. And and talk a little bit about that because when I was there, it was just it was a different time. It was just the beginning of of Touchstone Energy, which yep. was collaborative among the REMCs, but it was also an effort to offset what was thought to be coming in terms of competition. And then Enron happened and all of that went away. <laughs> but um, Touchstone is still in place, correct? Yes, absolutely. So how do you coordinate, especially as someone who's worked for two different co-ops, how do you collaborate with other REMCs while still making sure you're taking responsibility and focus on your members. Yeah, it's it's difficult for members to understand, honestly. We get calls all the time from people <laughs> saying, you know, I want to start service. Well, actually, you live in southern Indiana. Yeah, yeah. You don't live with us, <laughs> yeah. you know. Not all REMCs are the same. Um, we're all separate entities, but we function as one because strength in numbers, right? We're yeah. small organizations, and what came Touchstone Energy came out of was – the struggle that if we do deregulate in the state, mm-hmm. yeah, how do we compete with yeah. people with million-dollar advertising sure. budgets? So sure. Touchstone Energy was a branding effort to bring us all together and, you know, advertise under that name and promote the benefit of a smaller organization. Yeah. Um, co-ops are notorious for sharing, collaborating. I mean— downright plagiarism, but it's okay when yeah. you're in the co-op world, you know? <laughs> yeah. We yeah. will send you everything we've got. Sure. Um, when I worked at my previous organization, I was part of the uh, Northeast Indiana Marketing Partnership, mm-hmm. which was nine Northeast Indiana and yep. Northwest Ohio co-ops yeah. that would come together and pool our marketing dollars, and we would do different um, sponsorships and promotions throughout the area. So yeah. they're very, very good at working together and sharing and, you know, what works best for you. I might take part of that, but maybe it's different for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, and it's unusual, but in a good way. Right. You reminded me of something that I don't think I've ever shared with anyone before. Uh-oh. But when I was, we're going to do it on recording. Yeah, we're going to oh, go for it. Here we go. Put it out there. Um, when I was um, being interviewed for the job uh-huh. at Northeastern, I this is back before like Google Maps. Mm-hmm. So I got up my map and I said, oh, okay, I go to Warsaw and I go to Kosciuszko REMC and I almost went there mm-hmm. and would have never gotten the job and it would have been a whole, <laughs> my career would have changed dramatically. Oh, but no. somehow I figured out, oh, this is 
another place in Columbia City. Right. So I was very confused. As <laughs> I'm, I'm still confused, just not about that anymore. Right, right. But yeah, so I kind of get that, uh, how easy it is to, to, to miss that mark and to get right. confused about the different entities. Right, I get it. So, so Jamie, talk about some of the big things you're working on. You've alluded to some of them, but what are some of the things that are taking up the majority of your headspace, the majority of your time, kind of the big rocks that you're trying to move forward right now in your work? Honestly, personally, um, in my department, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of changes, yeah. you know, some natural attrition that's yeah. come up. And with everything that we've taken on, mm-hmm. we're just looking for the next wave of talent, you know, the new people who— want to develop themselves Mm -hmm. and grow and learn. And, you know, I always, it's so hard to put into a job description what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But I just always say, I want that person who wants more. Mm -hmm. That person Mm -hmm. with that hunger and that drive to find the next big thing. Um, We've got several positions available throughout the organization just because we're so small, but we're taking on so much. Sure, Um, A lot of our big big picture initiatives, we're doing um, distribution level Mm -hmm. uh, battery storage right now. Mm We've got solar projects that we're constantly handling for members, you know, different distributed generation projects that they're doing. Yep. Um, we're looking at electric vehicles and the next wave of what's coming down the pike and how we can, you know, service our members with that. So yeah, well, a lot. And it's a really diverse employment environment because you have people who work in areas like member service and marketing. Yeah. Then you've got the I used to I used to call them people who do the real work, the linemen and <laughs> yep. other folks, which is a skilled trade. Yep. Are you keeping up there or are you like a lot of employers, are you struggling to find people because there's there's challenges all over the place? I mean, yes and no. We're everybody's struggling to find the right employee. Yep. Um, but I think we what who we've got, we've got a really good pool of talent. Yeah. Um we at Northeastern are fundamentally different. You know, as you mentioned earlier, we're not that rural organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of our service territory has a lot of underground, yeah. you know, so we're not mm-hmm. doing the climbing the pole yeah. and putting up the lines like you would in the countryside. Yeah. Um, we have, I think it's nine different subdivisions going in here in the next, you know, several months. Wow. So we're just fundamentally different in the way that we handle things. Yeah. Um, but we're also taking on a lot of different projects that are really unique and interesting and you know, things that other people aren't exploring. And yeah. and so any anything from engineering to linemen to HR to, you know, marketing and, and member services, like you mentioned, accounting, financials, you know, we've got something for everyone, I guess. Yeah. And and it's a it's a it's unique in that you educate your members about how to use Less of your services. <laughs> like, I here's always how tell you, people that. Here's how you can serve power. It's like, wait a minute, isn't that how you make who, money? Yeah. Who stays in business trying to sell less of their product, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's what we do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, um, Jamie, I want to pivot to the speed round of the show where we talk okay. about some of the things we've talked about and maybe some new things, um, but potentially in a more concise fashion, although that rarely happens. So, um, we, If I'm on a word count, this isn't going to go well. No, no. You and I would not survive most word counts, I can tell. Um, so career path-wise, mm-hmm. what's something you've learned? Because you've had a lot of success. You've, you've obviously built a, a great career. What are some things you've learned in terms of what it takes to be successful and fulfilled in a career? If you were giving advice – I think you mentioned your kids are three and five, so yes. it's a little early for career advice. Never but, too early. <laughs> well, if if you were in a position to give them or someone else career advice, what would you say? I'd say find what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
as I mentioned earlier, I never thought I'd end up in the electric industry. Um, But taking what I know and what I enjoy doing and finding a place that that fits with, that's really how I've found my success. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you, what do you enjoy doing and never stray from that? You know, obviously you're going to have the jobs that it's just a job just to fill time and make a paycheck. But I feel like you should always be striving to grow and reach towards that passion and that drive that, you know, motivates you to get up every day. Yeah. Okay. Really good advice. So this one you can probably have a field day with because I usually ask people to either succinctly describe their organization or dispel myths about their organization. Okay. So what's something that you want people to know about Northeastern RMC that maybe you, you think is underappreciated or maybe it's something that is a myth that's been perpetuated that you'd like to disabuse people of? Ooh, I love the myth, yeah. the myth part of that. Yeah. Let's go that route. Okay. I think the thing for me— electricity is not sexy, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody goes, oh, I really can't wait to hear from my electric co-op. Yeah, That's... I always say that no one turns on you know, the light switch and goes, oh, they did it again, the oh, lights are on. Thank yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the difficulty for me is that being in the industry and being in the organization that I am, you're looked at automatically as the big bad power company. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to get you. We're trying to, we're out to, sure. you know, make a buck off the members. Yeah. Um, and and really and truly, co-ops are fundamentally different. And then mm-hmm. everything we do goes back to serving the membership. You know, we were created out of a need to create a better form of life for yeah. people who didn't have power. Sure. And so even when we're looking at our programs, our services, our products, we always have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time going through things to make sure that it's going to benefit the membership as a whole. You know, our everything from our prices and our rates to whatever promotion we're doing at the time. It, I just wish people understood that it's not we're not out to get anyone. We want to help, and if you know, if anyone had troubles or difficulties, call us, and we will do everything we can in our power. Sure, within reason, we yeah. have to be fair to the entire membership. Sure, you know, sure. Well, just so. like any other business. Yeah. But you have the advantage of being member owned and being a nonprofit, which allows you to be more flexible. Right. Yeah. Correct. Okay, so here's the last speed round question. Um, I used to ask people, what'd you learn through the pandemic? And then people got kind of tired of that. So, um, <laughs> so this is a fairly new question that we're asking. Okay. But I, because this show is in part for other people who do similar type of work, mm-hmm. I wanted to give them the opportunity to learn from someone like you. What is something in your work life, or it could be in your home life, I guess it doesn't matter, that is a tip or a trick or a tool that you use that you say, my life would be a lot more difficult without it. I think people should know about it. It could be something really simple. It could mm-hmm. be something that's brand new. That's up to you. I think the thing that, I'm not super techie, okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to do the trendy you know, yeah. apps or anything like that. Um, I'm actually going to go pretty old school and say, you know, word of mouth, because yeah. the thing that I always struggled with when you sit in, in the marketing field is yeah. you're creating these promotions or products or ways to reach your membership on different levels, and yeah. you're just kind of putting it out there and hoping that it works, right? Mm-hmm. And now in the position I'm in, not the direct marketing, but kind of indirect, that feedback loop really provides some insight for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and I've learned to appreciate that a lot better. Yeah. You know, you sit in a chair and you go, oh my gosh, 
members are going to be so excited to learn how an electric <laughs> pole is made. Yeah. You know? And maybe three people are, yeah. or it yeah. could be 300. Um, but to hear that from the members directly is really important to me. And I work really closely with our marketing team to provide that feedback for them. Yeah. So so that leads me to hopefully what is a healthy digression. One of the things that I've, I always think about is how an electric co-op deals with all the different communication channels mm -hmm. that exist today. Because when I was there, it was literally very early internet, mm -hmm. and it was super rare to get an email oh, to yeah. say nothing of getting an email from a member. Um, so if people were, you know, if, if the power went out, the phone would ring off the hook, obviously, right. and it was all hands on deck to respond to those. Right. But that was really it. That was the only way members were in communication. So my expectation is when that happens, you're still getting phone calls, but you're getting messages on Facebook Messenger and you're getting mm -hmm. posts to your Facebook page and you might even get direct messages on Instagram. How do you how do you staff for that? <laughs> how do you so, respond to that? Yeah, that's the difficult part is now you've got endless yeah. methods of communication, you know, yeah. and you want members to kind of funnel into one way so that we know that we're being, that yeah. we're handling it, sure. that someone's noticed. Yeah. You know, back in the day, they used to send, and I'm talking way before you, <laughs> <laughs> they used to send postcards and say, hi, my power is out. Can you get someone here in three to seven days to come take <laughs> care of it? You yeah. know, obviously we've shifted a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we actually have the kind of meters that, report the outage to us immediately. I mean, sometimes okay. we know about the outage before you do. Wow. If okay. you're not even home, you know, we might be informed of it. We could send a lineman out or a crew out, fix it, and then you would never know, wow. except for that your lights are flat or your clocks are flashing when you get home. Yeah. Um, so we do know, but we still like to hear from the membership to ensure that we've taken care of what we sure. need to take care of. Sure. Um, you're right. We've got endless methods yeah. of communication. Yeah. Um, the biggest one that I always point our members to is our smart hub because mm -hmm. if we have good communication from you on that, that yeah. is our member portal. We can obviously reach out to you as needed. Yeah. We're always trying to get information and post updates on outages and things on Facebook. Um, so we're trying to push out as much information as we can. You can sign up for text notifications about outages and, yeah. and be informed when those are updated. So, sure. Um, you know, there's a thousand different ways, but yeah. someone always finds that one way that we didn't anticipate, you know? Yeah. And then we're like, did someone see this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I would say, you know, hitting the main channels is your best bet to make sure that, you know, we know about it and we're, we're taking care of it. Yeah, well, you said you weren't techie, but you just described a lot of technology that you use. So congratulations, <laughs> you might you. actually be techie. No, but oh, I like what you, you said about word of mouth. And when you're in any area of customer service, the one great thing, it's it seems like a challenge, and it is, but it's also a huge opportunity, is that now you can hear what people say. Yeah. What you do about it is a different thing, but you right. have the ability to get their feedback pretty right. easily. Yeah. And I think that's the difficult part with feedback is, you know, you only usually hear from the squeaky wheels. Yeah. And so you have to kind of, you know, if I hear from 30 members a day out of three or 30,000, I have to keep that in mind, you know, in terms of yeah. how many is this really affecting type thing. Sure. But any feedback we get from our members is beneficial to us. Yeah. You know, do you like the way we're doing this? Do you have suggestions on that? 
anything we can grab our or get our hands on is really beneficial to us. Yeah. Well, that's great. And that's great advice. So word of mouth, it doesn't have to be a technology tool. Sometimes it's just that old fashioned verbal communication. Exactly. Yeah. I love talking to people, yeah. obviously. I get paid <laughs> to do it every day. Well, Jamie, we have loved talking to you. Thank you. So I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then. 